We pray for our brothers and sisters. We pray for those who are tortured, persecuted, separated from family. Your body, Lord Jesus, that hurts when they hurt. We pray that you will minister to them the strength and power of your Holy Spirit. That you will encourage them by your presence within them. And that above all, they will honor you, Lord God. Strengthen their faith and their courage to stand in the midst of their persecution. That they will shine brightly even to the end of their life. That they will be a radiant glory of your love to all those who hate them. That we, as the body of Christ Jesus, afflicted and beaten, will display the love of God for the human race. And that we will be an emblem of the cross for all who see us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. This morning I want to share with you a message called Living for the Cross. It's an odd phrase when you consider that the cross is an emblem of death. So to live for the cross is to live for the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. We give our lives to the one who died for us. Now that's a paradox, isn't it? And uh, I want to share with you this morning, you're going to have to put up with me, uh, I'm a little weepy. <laughs> I'm moved with uh, great compassion this morning. I, I just arrived uh, back home from a week in Cuba. Um, ministering and, and winning souls for Jesus in that communist country. And within the last month, I've been in South Korea and in China and now Cuba. And so uh, I moved with great compassion for the persecuted, for our brothers and sisters. And uh, so I want to share a message with you concerning living by the cross, living for the cross. There is a sense for Western Christianity concerning uh, self-preservation. Self-preservation is a pretty natural thing to the human heart. We were designed to preserve life and, and to keep ourselves alive as much as we can in our flesh. So that's a, a mechanism that is within all of us and it's certainly necessary. And so in the flesh we have self-preservation, but the uh, paradox of all of this is in the spirit we have a spirit of self-sacrifice. And those two collide in our life. And Christianity, Western Christianity, we've focused on self-perseverance. We've, we've focused on prosperity and blessing and, and uh, God keeping our lives happy and getting all we need. But what we really need to understand is how to live in the Spirit and to give ourselves for self-sacrifice because if we're going to live by the cross, we have to begin understanding what that cross is. Revelation 12, verse 11, you know it. We've repeated it many times. It, this is how they overcame the devil. And how many of you know this is the battle we're in right now? How to conquer him? They had conquered him. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives even unto death. You hear this verse quoted all the time, but always circumvented at the second point. We overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We sing songs. We overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. It doesn't stop there, people. Because love cannot stop at 
your testimony by your word. It must move to the place where it's a testimony of your life. We love not our life even unto death. That's the true display of love. And it was modeled by Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if any man wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and pick up the cross and follow me. Follow him where? To the Sea of Galilee? What's he talking about? Follow him to Jerusalem? Follow him to the huts and the houses? Follow him to the Mount of Olives? Where are we following him to? If you're carrying a cross, there's only one place to go. Golgotha. And so he said, if you're going to be my disciple, if you're going to demonstrate the same love that I have demonstrated, you must come to the cross. And so to live by the cross is to know the power of the blood of the Lamb, is to have the word of the testimony of Jesus, but it is fruitless unless it's backed up by your love for Christ over your love for self. This equation does not work unless you love not your life unto death. It cannot work because it's the blood of Jesus that demonstrates a perfect love sacrificed for us. It's the word of your testimony that shares it. But if you don't display it, if you don't live it, then it's only empty words and the devil knows that and so we must give our lives to live as christ to die is gain living by the cross it's the third element that i want to share with you this morning that most and many parts of the church are in a place where they are loving christ more than their own lives caring for him more than their own comfort Reaching out to save another soul with the possibility they themselves may be struck down. That's loving not their lives. Right? That's giving their lives more than themselves. It's the third element of Revelation 12, 11, and we must remember it. Thank God for the blood. Thank God you have a testimony. But now it must be lived out. But this is difficult, isn't it? So with a gospel of self-preservation, we've developed theologies and we've based uh, principles and, and we look for promises to sustain our life and we've become no different than the world. We think that a blessed life is God giving us prosperity and blessing to live unto old age. You have to remember that when you gave your life to Jesus, you surrendered your life. He will do with it what He wants. And so this is not about you, this is about Him. And so, what do we do with that? I mean, we've developed theologies of self-preservation and self-blessing. We've, we've developed this concept that God will always heal us, God will always rescue us, God will always protect us. Well, He doesn't. For His purposes. For His glory. 27 people were shot in a church in Texas last week. I was walking uh, down by the, the shore, the seashore in Cuba, and came upon a small cement hut of two believers. 
And as they came out to greet us as we were going to share the gospel, we were instructed with this particular couple to encourage them because they were believers, but yet they had isolated themselves from the body of Christ. They stopped going to church. And as we came to their hut to talk to them this week, they came out and said, we are so sorry. And I sorry for what? When you're in Cuba, you have no communication with the outside world. And I said, I don't understand. And our interpreter said that there was a shooting of 27 people. It was on, uh, uh, that was Sunday, right? And this was on a Monday we were at the house. And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. And they brought out a paper, a Cuban paper that expressed all this. And they were so sorry and so sad. It was so odd to hear this in Cuba about America and to consider these people. And of course the question is, where is your God? I mean, really, shouldn't God have protected those 27 people? If it were us, we'd say, yes, of course! How long have we mourned for them? And what about the others that are alive? Where is God when 27 Christians are killed? That's a drop in the bucket to the number of Christians killed every day. Just because we're isolated from it. And Christians die from sickness and disease. Isn't it God who's supposed to save us from every sickness, every disease? Isn't God supposed to protect us from from getting hit by any car or, or having any accident? Isn't God supposed to preserve our lives till we're 90? That's the doctrine of self-preservation. But if you'll remember in 1 Corinthians 6, he says this, Know you not that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, therefore, glorify God with your body. Glorify God with your body. What does that really mean? Well, that means live a moral life. Is that all it means? To glorify God with your body means what? To put your body in the service of the Lord, whether it's unto death or unto life. At no point are you to stop using this body to serve Jesus. It isn't go to church on Sundays and then do what you want with this body the rest of the week. It is to serve the Lord with this body. And if it means laying this body down, we must do this. It's giving ourselves and putting this body in the place of the service of the Lord. Did Jesus know that 27 people would die last Sunday? Absolutely. Why didn't he stop it? I don't know. I don't know. But we were already bought with a price. And therefore, we will glorify God with these bodies. Turn with me to John 21. And let's look at the story of Peter as he began to consider these things. Christians throughout the world continue to risk imprisonment, loss of home and assets, torture, beheadings, rape, and even death as a result of their faith. Christians, you have got to reorient your thinking. This gospel isn't about preserving your life. You've already got eternal life. You're good. Good to go. Good to go. Now glorify God with your body. Right? So our lives are now going to test the strength of the cross. 
And the enemy is going to test the strength of the cross in your life. If you're to pick up your cross daily, then your cross will be tested daily. And so you're to pick up the test of the cross, which means you surrender to God every moment, every day. There is no promise that you will survive the day. God does not owe you that. God already bought you. You belong to Him. And He will choose. God heals people miraculously for His purposes. And God allows some to die for His purposes. You don't get to choose. He does. Can you honor God in that way? Can you thank God for that? Some of you are thinking, wait a minute, hold on, I got a bad deal here. I came to Jesus to have self-protection the rest of my life. What you need to understand is what God has for us. In 2016, Open Doors declared that it was the worst year ever in human history of persecution against Christianity. In 2016, some 90,000 Christians were killed for their faith around the world. There are many places on earth being, where being a Christian is the most dangerous thing you can do, and it's continually and progressively getting worse. Why? Because the glory of God is on display for more people to get saved. And they will resist that, and they will always test the power and the strength of the cross in every believer. Now look, at I understand the whole concept of self-preservation. I'm not trying to preach something to where you're going to be happy to die. It's a bit of a contradiction to our own self and our own desire to stay alive. But I am here to tell you that the fight between your flesh and your spirit The Spirit is always looking to glorify Christ whether I live or die. The flesh is always trying to preserve its life. But there is a time when you will come into conflict and you may come into a challenge of the cross in your life and before you know it, the Spirit within you will rise up and give you the strength and give you the courage to face your persecutors those who are opposed and those who are against you. You'll be surprised at how quickly all the scriptures you learned will flood your soul. You'll be surprised that a peace that passes understanding begins to calm you. And you'll be surprised at the smallest elements that God will use and the thoughts that will flood into your heart and all of a sudden courage will behold you. Of course you don't want to die. Of course you'll sweat. Of course you'll cry. Of course you'll be upset. But the Spirit will rise Rise up and you will not forfeit the testimony of the cross. I've known many Christians, I've spoken with many Christians that have been beaten, that have been persecuted, that have been imprisoned. And their testimony is God is faithful. It's never about them. Because they knew as they wept and as they cried because they were beaten and it hurt and they were removed from their loved ones. They weeped, they wept, they, they were so broken. But the Spirit of God sustained them and many times sustained them just enough to get through. Isn't that something, isn't it? Now there are glorious, glorious testimonies of those who have been incredibly Uh, rescued but there are twice as many who have died under the weight of persecution beaten raped because of their faith in jesus 
And we have to say, why doesn't He rescue every single one? Because the test of the cross is in our bodies. It's not about self-preservation. It's not about your comfort. It's about a testimony to Jesus. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God in your body. Peter had to learn this. Turn to John 21. Peter was about self-preservation. That's that's exactly what's going on in this Gospel story. Jesus said at the Last Supper, you will betray Me. All of you will go as sheep. You'll run astray. Peter, of course, said, not I, O Lord, not I. I'll be there for you. I'll never leave you. Jesus told Peter, by the morning light, And I'm telling you in Cuba, by the morning light, there's stinking roosters crowing. 4 a.m., 5 a.m. Cock-a-doodle-doo. And that's what Jesus said. By the time morning comes, Peter, you will betray me. But Peter saying, no, 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 I love you, Jesus. I'll be there for you, Jesus. And he meant it. He meant it. He sincerely wanted to stay close to Jesus. You have to honor the man for that. But something kicked in. Self-preservation. So as he's trying to draw close to the trial of Jesus, and, and he's within an eye and earshot of the Lord Jesus as he sees them in the courtyard, he's standing by the fire so he can remain close and not give up. Warming his hands, and some people say, Hey, aren't you the you're you're that guy that hangs with Jesus, aren't you? No, no. Self-preservation made him say no. Now his heart was right that he wanted to stay close, but he didn't want to be found out, so he denied it. So that he could stay close. That's honorable, isn't it? It's honorable to a point. And so the question for all of us is how honorable is our faith to what point do we begin to self-preserve over our faith a second time the night's going on in the middle of the night there's more and another person comes up hey you're that galilean you're the one who walks with jesus we've seen you no no it's it's not me he's he's conflicted i'm not going to leave jesus But uh, that ain't me. And then last of all, a little girl, a maiden. Isn't it interesting and how how bad it gets? I mean, little kid, couldn't you say, yeah, but keep it down. (laughs) I wasn't in that place. That's another thing for us to judge and test to see. During the great persecutions in the early church, there were many who forsook the Lord. And in great repentance wanted to come back into the church. And and many Christians had a difficult time to decide whether those who forsook the Lord should be allowed back into the church. What would you do? What would you do? And how many in this congregation would deny the Lord? Because when it comes right down to it, don't you belong to Jesus? And it says Peter cursed Now that's, you know, I'm not going to curse right now to illustrate my point. You'd all be offended. But you can imagine Peter cursing, 
making his point, that's not me, and then cock-a-doodle-doo, the rooster crows, and his heart breaks within him that his preservation of his own self for the sense of being a follower of Jesus failed him because he loved his life more than Christ. It's hard to know what to do when you're in situations. So Jesus comes back to him and asks him three times, Peter, do you love me? Do you see what the question is? What is the motivation? Do you what? Love me. This is all about loving Jesus. The church around the world that's being persecuted today, those who are locked up, those who are being beaten, those who are being killed, and those who are being separated, it's all about the love, testing the cross in their life. Their love for Jesus Christ. If you love me, you will follow me. And so we follow him to the cross. And so Peter's love was tested and and Jesus says this, do you love me more than these? Now, I don't believe that Jesus was asking him, do you love me more than these other disciples love me? Jesus wouldn't pit one uh, disciple against another because Jesus had already risen from the dead, didn't he? They had already seen Jesus. They knew he was resurrected. And what did Peter say? Let's go fishing. He was confused. I don't know what to do after this. Uh, He's conflicted. He probably thought, I'm out of the game. I'm done. I'm going fishing. Don't you love the way Jesus is, though? He never gives up on us. We may fail him once, twice. We may fail him three times in a night. And we go back to what we know and we go back to living the life that we thought we were meant to live. And then guess who shows up? (laughs) Guess who shows up for us? And he puts fish on a grill. He sacrifices the fish. Another symbol of the death and resurrection of Peter's own life. He puts the fish on the grill by the fire in the morning light, the same place where Peter betrayed him, by a fire at the morning light. And he says, Peter, do you love me more than these? This is another opportunity, Peter. What do you think? Peter says, I really like you, Jesus. When you look at the proper language in the Greek, Jesus says, Peter, do you agape me? And Peter responds, Lord, I filio you. Well, those are two distinct loves. One is a self-sacrificing love, agape, which Jesus demonstrated to all of us. The other, filio, is a brotherly love. Do you love me more than these fish, Peter? Well, again, the context, do you love me more than your old life? Do you love me more than the way you made a living? Do you love me more than what you think is your identity? Because brothers and sisters, most of us here have no clue to who we are. We don't understand our identity. You think your identity is 
the person that was born and raised in your household from your mommy and daddy that went to this elementary school, that high school, and this is your career, and this is how you live, and that's what you're locked into. That is not your identity. Your identity is that you're a child of the King, a son of God, the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have a hope and a future and a purpose in the realm of the Holy Spirit with gifts and the fruit of the Lord in your life. That's who you are. Amen? And if God chooses to test your cross and the love for the cross by some means that may end your life, be it unto His glory. You may have to suffer, but it's all a test of the cross in your life. Peter, do you love me more than the fishing? Do you love me more than your occupation? Do you love me more than the familiar? Do you love me more? I'm going to take you into territories. Do you agape me? Will you sacrifice your life for me? You know, Jesus, I really like you. And I really feel that's where many folks are in the church. I like Jesus. He's so awesome. Because he answers all my prayers and my needs. Peter says, well, then feed my lambs. Feed my little ones. Wow, that's heavy. You want me to tend to the innocent young ones? Then he asks him again, Peter, do you love me? And again, the context, you know, the fish, life, do you agape me? And Peter, opportunity, we got by one. Here's number two, Peter. Here's the softball pitch, buddy. Nope, didn't swing again. Jesus, I feel you. I really like you. You're really a pal of mine. I'm resurrected here, Peter. I'm standing in front of you. I was dead. Now I'm alive. You get this? Feed my sheep. Then a third time, Jesus says, Peter, do you phileo me? Oh. Jesus lowers the level of love to Peter's expression. And Peter can't answer that. He's distraught yet once again. And he says, you know all things. You know all things, Jesus. I I love you. And what is so good is he does know all things. And he knows you better than you. And he's got him in you, which is better than you. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. You're the only thing that makes me better than me. And he knows that. But if we would honor that, if we would honor Christ in us, that hope of glory, there's a glory in us. And Jesus says, that's right, Peter. And he goes on to express to Peter that in fact, Peter, you love me so much. You love me so much, Peter. 
He says, truly I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. In other words, that was your old life, fishing and your community and, and everything. You're not going back to that, Peter. I, I, I know you failed me. Anybody here failed Jesus in your witness? He knows we failed him. But this is the beauty of Jesus Christ. He says, but truly, truly, when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you don't want to go. You love me, Peter. Yeah, you love me. You will give your life and my cross will be tested in your body and you will do well. And so it is with us. We will come to a point where we will be tested in our bodies, whether through sickness, whether through persecution. All of us will be tested in our bodies concerning the cross. And will you give your life for the cross? It's not a question of the future. It's not a question of when it happens. It is a question that you must answer now. And when you have decided to answer it now, you will be so surprised and so overwhelmed when the Spirit of God floods into your soul at the moment you need Him. For He's faithful. You may endure pain, you may endure suffering, but you will not forsake the witness of the cross. You will not. You may weep, you may cry, you may cry out to Him, Jesus did. But you will stay faithful. And to the persecuted church, there's one prayer they consistently have. May I never lose my witness. Every persecuted Christian I've talked to over the years has said, please pray for us that we will be strong through persecution. They didn't ask for it to be taken away. They didn't say, get me out of prison. They didn't say, rescue me from those who will kill me. They say, I hope I never forsake the Lord. And so, Peter went from self-preservation to realize, God had to prophesy to him, no, you're going to do okay, Peter. You will testify of me, even unto old age. And I think that's great. Peter had to learn how to get from self-preservation to self-sacrifice. It took him a lifetime, didn't it? There's some bumps in the road with Peter. Some real potholes with our lives, isn't there? (laughs) But he got there. But I love Peter's immediate response. Just beautiful. And after Jesus tells him that he will be faithful, that, that his body will be true to the cross, and that he will live a life unto the cross, he says, what about him? That's so so church, isn't it? What about them? How'd they get away with this? What's wrong with me? Right? Don't we always size ourselves up with others and this and that? I don't know the design of God on your life. For the Apostle John, he says, Jesus responded and said, I'll paraphrase it, it's none of your business. What's that to you? I'll do what I want. And then he goes goes a step further. If I want to keep him alive till I return, I will. 
What's that to you? You stay focused on the cross. Yeah. You know, John, John did stay alive to see the return of Christ in a revelation, didn't he? So that he could write the book of Revelation to see the return of Jesus. Great testimonies. I mean, John went through his own trials and troubles. He was boiled in oil. But it survived and died of old age. Wow, how about that? Did Peter think, I got gypped? See, you're never, if you will live unto the cross, you will never consider your life being gypped. There were so many people in that church. I reference it because that was on our territory, that was in our land. We begin to understand what's happening and what's coming to our culture. And so we consider the young and the old that were killed. Now, now, is it fair or not fair? But if you're given to the Lord God, what is, it's not about fair or unfair. It is about unto His glory. Well, how does God get glory out of this? Well, I guess it depends on what you do with this story, people. What will you do with this story? How will you use this story? It brings me to a, a remembrance of an experience I had in China. I'll make it brief. Over 10 years ago, I was ministering to the underground church, and I was reminded of this story while I was in Cuba. A good friend that I, I just made there, Paula, reminded me of the sovereignty of God and how he puts things together. And all of a sudden, the Lord flooded my heart with what I remembered in China. I, I was in China preaching and teaching for a week to the underground church, uh, to a school that was, they, they go to three years seminary. And I was in, they were graduating this class and I was with that class and they were finishing up their third year. And uh, I had been preaching seven days a week for eight hours a day and the momentum was increasing and increasing and increasing. And uh, uh, it was, it was true revival that busted out there, and it was glorious. And we went from having 20 to 200 in a small village, and that was not safe for any of them. But it was safe to be in the presence of Jesus, and it was powerful. And I've never experienced anything like the move of the Spirit and the power of God, and, and it was tremendous. And we had to leave, and we left. And as we left, we went to the next school that I was going to, but this was the first year of that school. And the students, these young people who gave their lives up for three years to go on the Silk Road to take the, the, the Christian gospel back to Jerusalem through the Middle East, they were being trained, and, and they were 19 and 20 and 21 and 22 years old. And, and so we went into the underground secret place, windows all masked off, and when we got there, um, I saw all these 20-year-old 22-year-old young Chinese kids. And I was really upset with Jesus. You took me out of a revival that was really awesome. I could quote a scripture and need a, a, a cross-reference and they had the Bible memorized. They could give me three or four references by heart. And I came to this group of kids that acted like kids. I thought, really? 
come on. It was so cool back there. What am I going to do with these people? How am I going to teach them? The depth, it's, come on. And then Jesus had a really nice response for me. As I sat there watching these kids, he said, these men and women will see more than you will ever see. They will do more for me than you will ever do. And they will give a greater sacrifice than you will ever give. And of course, my response was, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm such a wretch, I'm such a loser. Oh my gosh, I can't believe this. I mean, it just pierced my heart and I felt like an idiot before the Lord. But then, as Jesus always does, the thought struck me. If that's who they are, why did you bring me to teach them? What a privilege. Who am I? Then I was doubly slammed down to the ground. (laughs) Oh God, (laughs) what am I supposed to do with these people? And we began to teach. Many of them separated, don't have fathers. They began to sit in my lap and hug me. They began to love on me. They asked if they could call me dad. It was so powerful, so moving, and giving them. And at one, I had the privilege of baptizing them and immersing them in water. And many of them came, and one day we were talking, and they began to tell me where the Lord showed me they were going to die. was dumbfounded they said well i know that i'm going to die in iran the lord showed me that i'm going to give my life in saudi arabia and they were counting it a joy and a privilege that someday they were going to make it through the middle east to be a witness into that territory and to burn as a cross and burn their life into uh, the church in saudi arabia in iran in iraq had never thought or heard of anything like it. But you see, they were bought with a price, no longer their own. Peter was bought with a price. He didn't concern himself with someone else. I don't know how you're going to live your life or end your life, but you've given your life. And so the rest now is for Jesus. The rest is for Jesus. And so you live your life unto the Lord. Peter said this in 1 Peter 4.12, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering, as though something strange is happening to you. Persecution, trials, pain, suffering. Peter says, that ain't strange to the Christian. But isn't it strange to our doctrine today in the West? We have people leaving the church Because God didn't protect them from suffering. Where's God now? I'm sorry if we misinformed you. But Peter won't. You will suffer. You'll have trials. This is not strange. He says rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ. Because you see the suffering of Christ is a demonstration of your love for Him. And so I conclude with this. 
Nero prided himself as being the enemy of God. Peter ended up in Rome in his final days. He was thrown into a prison called the Mamertine. For nine months, he was in absolute darkness. He endured monstrous torture, manacled to a post. In spite of all the suffering that Peter was subjected to, And he remembered the voice of Jesus, do you love me? (laughs) Here was his opportunity to answer what he had messed up two times before. First at the trial of Jesus, second on the beach, but now was the day to answer. Being beaten, being stuck in a prison. The question now to Peter, do you love me? Peter, (laughs) stuck in prison and suffering, in spite of all of it, converted his jailers, Procesus and Martinius, and 47 others he brought to Christ. (laughs) And as he was being led to the cross and his wife was led to the cross, he encouraged her as she was nailed to that cross. And as she was being nailed, Peter, broken and beaten, encouraged her to have faith and to love Jesus and to testify to the glory of the cross. And as his wife died, they then took Peter and threw him to the ground. They nailed him to the cross. And as they began to nail him and raise him up, he said, no, no, please, please, do not hang me upright on this cross. I am not worthy to die as my Savior. He said, hang me upside down on this cross. And they put that cross upside down. And Peter finally had the opportunity to answer Jesus' question. Peter, do you love me? And he didn't just say yes. (laughs) And he didn't say filio. He said yes. With all that I am, I test the strength of your cross in me. This is our body, the church. These are our brothers and sisters. Whether unexpectedly they are killed or whether they are tortured and know that they're going to their death or maybe they were survived the persecution and they don't know what's next. Do you love me? Is the question. And will you live for the death of the cross? This is the question. Let us bow our heads. There is no final question in anyone's life until we face that which is the most extreme. The self-preservation of our flesh or the glory to God in our spirit.
I pray to all of us we will be strengthened to live by the glory of God in our spirit. And I will ask you a question. Jesus said, if you love me, you will follow me. Pick up your cross. Today, before I go anywhere or any further, I must ask, is there anyone today who wants to give their life to Jesus, who has never received Him as a Savior? You've never asked Him to save your soul. But today you recognize. You may have grown up in church. You may know the things of Jesus, but He asks you right now, do you love me? Will you give your life to Him? Is there anyone who would give their life to Jesus this morning who has never given their life to the Lord? Anyone this morning? We want to bring you into this great kingdom of God. Then I'm going to ask the question of you. Don't stand if you're not ready. And it's okay. God will work with us. But I must ask the question. How many who will live for the cross? And what that means is, whether you live or die, it's to the glory of the cross. If you're ready to say, I give my life, not in, a, in an analogy. Not in a poetic sense. Will you give your life to Jesus? If you can answer that, stand. Those of you that are standing today, would you lift both hands up and surrender? Repeat this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender all. I stand with the body of Christ around the world to live for the cross. I surrender my life now. So no matter what you choose to do with me and how my life will end, I will live for the cross and give you glory. Amen.